Thank you for calling in. Uh, caller 404, last 46802. Good morning, and thank you for joining us. Good morning. This is Bella. How are you? Oh, Mr. Bella, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. Caller 919, last 43751. Nine one nine three seven five one last four. I think that must be Dr. Patrick. I want to guess it's him. It, it does appear to be like Dr. Patrick. <laughs> well, thank you for calling in. Uh, good morning. Dr. Patrick, good morning. Uh, good ready. morning. <laughs> yes, sir. Good morning. yes, sir. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine. <finding> yourself? <laughs> well, we're doing pretty good. Thank you for joining us this morning. <clears throat> My pleasure. Okay, so like. Yes, so like I said, uh, we have uh, Mr. Humphrey Malimba, and he's already uh, online. Uh, Mr. Malimba, good morning. Good morning, Mr. Chimba. Uh, How is uh, Atlanta, Georgia? Atlanta is wonderful. Um, The weather is excellent. Yes. Uh, The wonderful sunshine out there, I'd say. So Atlanta is really good today. Beautiful. You have the luxury of enjoying uh, some sunshine. Uh, It actually snowed in Indiana last night, so... Uh, that gives you an idea of uh, what we go through. I've been trying to preach to you that the borders are open. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it, it takes a lot. It takes a lot. So thank you for accepting to come on the show, uh, albeit at a late uh, hour. Uh, we appreciate that you were able to accommodate us. Yes. Yeah. So let's uh, let's go deep into uh, the nitty gritty. Uh, you are the founder of Holtec LLC. Uh, I believe uh, it's an Atlanta, Georgia-based uh, company. What does Holtec do? Oh, thank you very much for that question. Um, Holtec is uh, basically um, a transportation company that um, I founded in 2012. So uh, we've been in operation for the last. Um, uh, 2012, and this is what 2019 for the last seven years. So, uh, we, we offer transportation services, uh, not specifically to one uh, particular customer, but to uh, uh, several clients uh, that we find online every morning. Uh, you book loads online, and uh, you know you, you ferry the freight to wherever the customer wants you to ferry that freight. So, so okay. that's what we do. Uh, so do you, do you have a specific business regions within the U.S. or you can go anywhere? Um, actually, uh, we, we, we go to uh, all 48 states. But I, I try to stay within um, uh, the boundaries of, say, Georgia and, and, and uh, Illinois for one simple mm-hmm. reason. Um, the, mm-hmm. terrain, the terrain is excellent. Uh, it's not mountainous. Uh, so that, right. that doesn't put so much of a strain on on the equipment, and also um, the, the the pricing in terms of uh, the cost of, of freight uh, shipping right. is, is really good, and uh, also you know the traffic, uh, the numbers. If you if you go to Chicago, uh, for example, uh, you're more than likely uh, going to find several uh, people wanting to ship their products. <clears throat> right. And to a place like Mississippi. You might still find a freight, but you're not well positioned in terms of uh, your ability to negotiate your prices because uh, right. uh, it, it, the, the market factors are determined by availability of freight in whatever area 
or region that you're operating in. That's why I, I like to stay I like I like to stay in the Atlanta and Chicago region because of the lowest rates uh, living in these regions that right, you're paying. Yeah. Okay. So so what kind of uh, goods or products do you haul? Well, I, I'll do. I, uh, I I try to stick around. With, I try to stick to uh, to vans. Uh, you, you can all refrigerated stuff, and you can also haul what you call dry goods. I, I try to stick with the dry goods because they are, they are more efficient. They are quicker. Uh, if you if you stick with uh, a refrigerated item, uh, sometimes they'll 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 mess up your schedules in terms of. Delivery appointments and things of that nature. You're dealing mostly with food, and some some places will take a good six hours to uh, to unload the truck. Uh, versus, you know, if you're freight. And and when I say dry, I mean I'm I'm talking about a wide range of products from from airplane parts to to you know to uh, aluminum, you know, recycled products. So it it could range, you know, furniture, all kinds of right. stuff. Okay, so uh, I'm I'm on the road, uh, you know, almost all the time, and I am crisscrossing paths with, uh, you know, trucks, uh, and I believe that's your line of uh, business. Uh, what comes to mind is competition. How do you handle that competition for loads, even? You. Uh, it is actually a buyer's market, I would say, uh, when you're in this industry. I mean, there's always someone trying to to uh, to ferry to ferry something, to ship something. I mean, look around you, look at the wall in your house, look at the bulb in the ceiling, look at the, the bed or the the, car, the the furniture in the house. There was a truck involved. You look, look at the car you're driving. There was a, a truck involved. So there's always something to ship. So to me, competition just really comes down to you know what is your what is your price what is your asking price not necessarily because there's absolutely nothing to ship you know like like i'll give you an example right now in atlanta we are really going through the slowest season of, of the year uh, uh let me just say after the, the christmas period uh all the way to maybe end of february is the slowest mm-hmm. um, you know the snow uh, up north, and also you know most industries will go on break, and so right. you know the the fruits are not out of the fields yet. So there's really uh, you know freight gets to shrink in terms of you know yes. numbers and availability. So right now to ferry freight from Atlanta, you know they'll pay you maybe a thousand euro, you know, to go to Chicago. If you buy fuel for like three fifty, you you pocket the remaining, but it's an overnight thing. But when you get to Chicago. Because of the the numbers, you know, you you can you can pick up something that'll pay you say two thousand to come back home. So if you do a round trip right. of three thousand, right. take out your fuel, you can you can keep it two thousand for those two days and do it again in a week. You know, things of that nature. So so the competition okay. is really in terms of you know fighting for the freight because it's online. There's several websites that you can sign up with. Uh, right. You know, you pay like $34 a month and you, you can access these websites every morning and book whatever load you're interested in. So that's how right. that's how the game operates. Okay. So your, your kind of uh, business is obviously uh, uh, regulated by, by law. Uh, what are the challenges? Because one of the things uh, I've uh, read about is you can only drive for what, 10 hours a day, I believe, 
uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, if it's correct, uh, how much of that is a challenge in terms of meeting your, your weekly goals or even monthly goals? Exactly. So actually, uh, it, it's, uh, it is quite a great challenge uh, because, uh, for example, uh, you're given 14 hours a day uh, to, to work. You know, drivers are given 14 hours a day to work, and within that 14 hours, they can't drive over 11 hours. The three hours is given to you for, you know, anything else that you want to do, if you want to change right. your, if you want to put fuel, if you want to have your lunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once you set that clock going on the electronic logbook, after the 14-hour mark, you, you have to, you know, put your tools down and, and be in a sleeper bed for the next 10 hours because uh, the DOT started to notice that truck drivers were really pushing themselves. And, uh, you know, most of them would be driving these trucks even though they're tired and, and not in a position to securely handle that equipment on the road. So it resulted into several accidents and so to just protect the people on these roads they had to bring in these loads and uh, okay. they do they do for the challenge when it comes to uh, how much money you can make because you know obviously they restrict you and and sometimes uh, what happens is you can go you know to pick up a load and uh not a fault of your own but the shipper will keep you there for six hours and if you've already started your clock they've cut into your time and, uh, you know, through, effort of, 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 through something that you, you didn't call yourself, but the fact that, you know, the shipper didn't load, didn't load your trucks quickly, so it, it, it right. ended up losing time. But, you right. know, there are logbooks out there that, that, you know, people can buy that, that can, you know, go around these types of restrictions, and you can always change time, and you can always do these types of things. So, there's always a way out. DOT understands okay. these things, and even though they won't directly tell you to do that, but they will allow for some some companies to come up with, uh, you know, with some logbooks that that allows for drivers to switch or to to adjust their times in the logbooks. So it works. So so I know that uh, I think today is the day in Indiana that uh, truckers plan on protesting the uh, DOT introduction of the electronic logbook. I believe uh, uh, currently or in the past, you have used the physical logbooks. And because there have been truckers that have uh, been pushing beyond what the law requires, they're introducing the electronic logbook. Uh, Is that a true statement? And if it is, uh, how will that impact, you know, your ability to, to make runs because uh, you make money when your wheels are spinning. How much of an impact would that be? Uh, to be honest with you, I think the protest that you're talking about, uh, well, it, it may have something to do with the, um, you know, the, the logbooks, but I think uh, ultimately the, 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 the protest is really concerning uh, the brokers. Uh, what has happened in the trucking industry is that uh, before, uh, you know, the introduction of the brokers, truckers themselves used to be in touch with the, with the shippers, with the manufacturers and carry their freight. And uh, uh, what started happening was uh, most of these truckers would, would, would do things that, that, you know, the shippers would, would find, uh, you know, uh, hurting their business. So, so what they did was they, they appealed to, uh, to the authorities uh, to create some type of a middle person, you know, that's how the brokers came into the picture. 
So what happens now is that every law that you're picking on the internet, you know how you have to go through a broker. The brokers are the guys that will determine how much money you should be paid, you know, and uh, you know when you should believe and things of that nature. So they 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 go to these conferences where they sit down and literally plan on, you know, this is how much we should pay, you know, drivers. If you if he's moving from Atlanta to at this place, you know, don't go beyond this, you know, this mark. So, so, okay. so what this does is um, sometimes it infringes on, on you know, on, on how much money trackers are making. So we have like a slump, you know, in terms right. of, uh, you know, your, your, your revenue outputs and things like that uh, ever since right. trackers came into business. So, so the process is really to appeal to your authority so they can see how they can look into uh, helping you know, uh, owners of these trucking businesses because you have to understand 80% of all trucks in America are owned by owner operators and, you know, small guys like myself. You know, we are the guys who are out there doing this trade. But, but what happens is that the 20% are the big guys. You have guys like Schneider, you have guys like Schiff. These are guys with like 47,000 trucks from their fleet, 50,000 trucks from their fleet. So what they do right. is they go out there and buy up uh, uh, all the freight. And the contracts, they yes. Have, they also have brokerage departments within their company. So they'll buy up all the freight and, and keep this freight and, and create some type of artificial shortage in the market. So that way, guys like me, when we go to look for, for, for freight on the internet, it's, like, it's, it's kind of like difficult to find it. So they'll hold this freight. Right. You know, yeah. So, so basically, to cut the long story short, that's what that's what's going on with these projects. Awesome. Uh, at the bottom of the hour, I am going to be uh, opening up the phone lines uh, and let uh, my callers ask you some questions. Uh, and before I switch gears to uh, talk about your trip to Zambia, the uh, business mm-hmm. environment, opportunities, challenges, and areas of improvement, I want to remind our esteemed uh, uh, listeners and followers of Zambia Block Talk Radio that we will be celebrating our 10th year anniversary uh, in Dallas, Texas, uh, September 13th to 14th. Our keynote speaker is uh, His Excellency Dr. Angosa Simbiakula, who is the ambassador, Zambian ambassador to the U.S. Our guest speakers are Sombo Chunda and Dr. Patrick Wilson. Book a date with us. Uh, Early bird tickets is $50 if you buy it by March 31st. Uh, $55 until July 31st, and a $60 late registration. Okay, so let's switch gears here, uh, Mr. Malimba. Let's talk about your trip to Zambia. What business opportunities did you see? Well, and, and this doesn't have to be in your realm of, you know, the business you, you do in the U.S. Exactly. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. Um, I, I will put it simply as uh, I, I do. I do have my opinions uh, concerning, you know, uh, uh, what I observed uh, as far as you know what what business opportunities uh, people can do in, in Zambia. And, and this is not to say that I'm, I'm giving a detailed analysis of macroeconomic factors in the country uh, per se, but it's just really a basic, uh, you know. Uh, 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 look into the, the possible business ventures that I, I, I identified personally. Uh, yes. And I was, first of all, 
uh, let me say this before I even, I even mention it. You know, Zambia as a country uh, has, has really, really changed. Uh, from the last time I was in Zambia, which is like 15 years ago, uh, to when I went home, I was, I was first of all humbled by, you know, the scale of uh, development on the ground. You know, just, you know, driving around the sector, for example, you look at the infrastructure, you look at, um, you know, the housing, and, and you look at just uh, basically... You know, there's the feel of something is happening in this country. You look at the, uh, the number of uh, Caucasians, the number of uh, uh, Asians and those planes going to Zambia. You know, it's, it's amazing. Right. Uh, it, 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 this is not something that used to happen when I was when I was back home. So, so these are indicators that it that will tell someone that look, there's something going on here. You may not have seen it, but it is definitely uh, happening here. Uh, it's just that maybe you don't really uh, know what, what really is going on. Zambia right. is a similar country that sends people to people. You know, like what right. I care if you're on top of the energy. Uh, Zambia has become a very competitive environment. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give you examples for, for instance, you know, we grew up, you know, in Dola, you know, in council houses. Our parents used to rent council houses. That is no longer existing. You know, we grew up mm-hmm. in the time you know, you, you would have your electricity disconnected and you had guys in the neighborhood who would climb the pole and yes. somehow would know how to put that back on and, you know, you'd have electricity for another three months. You know, I remember one time my father telling me that he hadn't paid his, his you know, rent for about 11 months and, you know, there was a sense of agency and him to go ahead and clear that deal before they can shut our house. You know, so right. those types of things no longer exist in Zambia. If you're going to have... You know, electricity in your house, you know, you have to buy bundles, you have to buy units. Uh, yes. So this is really just uh, a very real situation when it comes to uh, existing in that country, when it comes to living in that country. You have to be practical. You have to tap into, you know, the the, the value of, of, of working hard and, and, and being out there to do something. Zambia is no longer a consuming country. You know, people right. used to pay People used to send their children to universities and government would pay. Right now, you know, I have my daughter there. I have to pay for her boarding. You know, they close by boarding house. That's like, what, $200 uh, a, a month in, in class tuition and just buy her groceries. So there's, there's so many things that have changed in, in, in Zambia that, that were not right. there my time. And so right. it prompts one uh, uh, to want to, to think about how they can develop themselves, how they can work harder. Yeah, so anyway, so, yes. so you, and, uh, you, are, you are an entrepreneur and uh, you obviously have an eye uh, for opportunities. Uh, you, you land in Zambia, you're looking at the environment and you're saying, wow, wow. What was that wow factor? What opportunities did you see in Zambia that, you know, laymen like myself and some of my, uh, my uh, listeners would say, oh, great, we never thought about this? Exactly. Well, you know, um, obviously my number one uh, most impressive venture that I would say uh, really attracted me is, is, is the real estate. There's a lot of potential in uh, the real estate market. Uh, you know, rental properties, um, apartments. If you, if you want to build, say, a motel and things of that nature, uh, there's, there's a lot of potential. There's, there's so many uh, people coming to invest in Zambia right now. Uh, you know, you, you may be interested to know. 
know, it would be interesting to know that, you know, Zambia has had for the past eight years uh, this the third uh, highest FDI uh, numbers trekking into the country. You know, there's a lot of foreign direct investment. Uh, the only country that beat us in the region is South Africa and Angola, obviously, to Angola because of the oil. But there's been a lot of people coming to Zambia, and uh, most of these guys are looking for accommodation and things of that nature. You'll be surprised how uh, I'll give an example. When I was going, um, we I booked a, a place online, um, and the, the, the charge was like $100 a day. Uh, to live in that place, but I booked that place in November, and uh, by I think the following week, the place was sold out. Up until right. like the beginning of November, the place was sold out all the way up until the seventh of January. Now this is a hundred dollars a day uh, yes. swap, and they have like ten units in in one complex. So that gives you, you know some kind of uh, an overview on, on the demand that is on, on, on the real estate market in Zambia. So that's, that's one of the main things. Mining, I think, is also, uh, you know, another venture that people can get into. Uh, you, 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 you may be aware that, you know, Zambia has the largest deposits, for example, of, uh, you know, the high-grade emeralds. You know, uh, there, there are some, some, some uh, small-scale mining uh, a venture that people are, are getting into on the corporate belt. You can buy land, mm-hmm. you know, you can like, small mining projects, you know. Yes. Agriculture is also another area where you can invest. You know, there's a lot of people yes. that are in agriculture. And it's not just food when I say agriculture. You're talking about right. horticulture. You're talking about, you know, uh, you know, flowers and things of that nature. And they, they're making really, really good money. You know, you can right. even, yeah, you know, and, uh, there's a lot of potential. There's, there's, there's 58% of Zambian land that is arable, and 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 currently, yes. uh, the, the capacity, uh, the well, the the land that is being utilized is only about 14%. So there's there's a vast right. amount of land that is out there that people, uh, you know, can can purchase. And you see, most people are caught up on, oh, I need to buy land in Osaka. I need to buy land in Kobe. But if you see uh, the infos of these Chinese nationals and, and where they're buying land, you'll be shocked. Right. Right. Land in situations that Germany would never even care because they have they're, they're looking in terms of ten years from now. They're looking in terms of another twenty years. Wow. And, you know, they they know these places will be lucrative. You know, in right. terms of uh, because because they have to understand. Uh, you know the the, the PF. Uh, have done quite well in terms of, you know, their road infrastructure development. And so the restriction or the disadvantage of, of having a business in some remote area of, of Kasama right. or Pungu is no longer there, you know, that's what right. the case is. Uh, so you, you could set up your farm in, in, in say, Loansha and you have your business in, in your, your market in Osaka, you, you still do well. Uh, you know, right. I, I I was telling my friend about uh, you know uh, I want I want to go to Namwala and uh, set up like an abattoir there. You know, set up like yes. uh, a courtroom from China, for example, and go out there and set up an abattoir. And you'd be surprised uh, the cost of investment for doing something like that because those people right. in Namwala. Uh, back in the days, I I, I I used to go to Namwala. We would buy a van. Uh, my friend and I would buy a small van. You know. 
and take it to Namwala and exchange it with like cows. I, I remember at one yes. time it was cancer. Those cancer we you know you and it wasn't even our cancer. Our friend was selling it. So we told him we have a market for this, we give it give it to us and we take it to Namwala. And we, we exchanged it with a hundred and twenty cows and, and at the time oh, wow. seventeen years ago. I think we right. made like forty thousand dollars and he bought this cancer from Japan at uh five thousand eight hundred I remember at the time. So now you see what you do you abattoir right there in that region because the challenges that those people face sometimes is having, you know, transport to, to the markets in Lusaka and right. you can follow them and set up camp there so that you know they can right. bring their, their their cows to you and you can pay them and you can have an abattoir there. You know, you, you can you can set a business up like that for uh, according to my findings, according to the research that I did for something less than fifteen thousand dollars. And I know right. that so many Indians, especially out here in the diaspora, you know, can access these types of signs easily. You know, loans and credit cards and savings and things of that nature. Because right. you also understand okay. that the biggest challenge to doing business in Zambia is actually accessing capital. You know, if you look at what the banks are lending, uh, the percentages yeah. are like crazy. You know, 40% interest per annum. You know, and uh, you, 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 have, you have the Chinese who have brought their own banks there lending money at, say, 12% per annum, which is creating some really unfair competition. So if you can access capital in Zambia, you know, if you can access capital outside of Zambia and take it there, there's a lot of potential for business. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay, great, great. That That is awesome. Uh, and I'm glad uh, you've touched on uh, the accessibility or lack thereof of uh, capital or loans because of the uh, prohibitive interest rates. Uh, that was going to be my next question. Uh, I have one more question before I open up uh, the phone lines. Uh, in terms of, there's obviously uh, opportunities. There are challenges. In your estimation, what were the areas of improvement that you observed? And obviously the observation could have been based on your current operating environment in the U.S. versus what you saw in Zambia. Can you share that with us uh, real quick, and then I will invite my callers uh, to ask you questions. Okay. If I understand your questions uh, very well, I think you're asking what, what sort of challenge, what sort of areas can improve. Can, can we improve in this? Okay. Okay. Yeah, so I think the number one thing that I noticed is um, uh, I think there's a need to improve uh, the operational efficiency, uh, especially in government, you know, cutting down on that red tape and bureaucracy. And, uh, you know, it will really help in facilitating business, uh, you know, especially in the transport sector, for example. Uh, you have you have people at Kasumbalesa border post, they are telling me they've been sitting at the border for three days waiting for, for you know, somebody to clear their freight so they can get into Congo, you know, wherever they are going. Chirundi border is the same story. Uh, Kazungula is the same story. So those are some of the things that, you know, they can improve. In. Uh, another area, I think, is... Uh, so, sorry, uh, sorry. Can you, share, can you share why they would wait for three days? Did they, did they tell you why they would wait for three days? To be honest, I, I wish I knew why. Uh, you know, like yeah. I said, it's, it's just the common, you know, old traditional bureaucracies and, and you know, and, and red tips that's associated with how okay. 
you know, things are done, you know, in, in, in Africa generally and Zambia in particular. I think there's, there's really, because, it's, you know, somebody comes straight to the border and they're trying to get into the next country. It's like you're moving from the U.S. to Canada. You shouldn't sit there for three days because it, it slows Absolutely. down, you know, it, it slows down the, the rate of, of, you know, economic activity, you know, for, for both Zambia and Congo. If, if they could work at that, if they could bring some type of... Uh, you know, the method that they can formulate some type of policy that would 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 shift or or erase uh, that issue there. I think we would see you know a faster pace in terms of uh, the movement of freight, which obviously would result in in, in you know in, in in more other benefits you know economically. So that's more revenue, area. more revenue, more more taxes exactly. uh, for the government. Taxes. That is yeah. great. That Thank is you. awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to uh, allow my callers, uh, Mr. Malimba, to ask you questions uh, on Zander Block Talk Radio. We have no limit for the type of questions we ask. Uh, if uh, questions uh, asked, uh, you know, border on uh, something you're not familiar with, we we are a family here. We're, we we appreciate, uh, you know, that uh, you know uh, our guest, you know, doesn't have this information, and you know, we can we can follow up. But uh, before I allow my callers, uh, again, I just want to remind uh, callers, listeners, uh, avid followers of Zander Block Talk Radio, we will be celebrating our 10th year anniversary in uh, Dallas, Texas, uh, from September 13th to the 14th. And uh, Honorable Dr. Ngosa Simbiakula will be our keynote speaker with uh, Sombo Chunda and Dr. Patrick Wilson as our guest speakers. Get your early bird tickets at $50. Uh, if you buy at the end of July, you're paying $55. And the late registration of $60. Uh, you want to take advantage of that $50 uh, ticket. I am going to open up uh, my phone lines. Again, we're talking to Humphrey Madimbakasase based in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, he is the founder of Holtec LLC and a self-styled uh, entrepreneur. I'm going to go to Matilda. Matilda, do you have a question for Mr. Malimba? Hi, I only have a comment. Hi, yes. Yes. Uh, thank you. I do have a comment, not a question. I just want to commend Humphrey for all the great work that he's doing. It's inspiring to see uh, Zambians, especially young Zambians. Humphrey, I hope you're in the young category. <laughs> Joke. How, how, um, how do you define young? Matilda, you and I need to talk offline. Absolutely correct. <laughs> but it, 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 is, it is encouraging <laughs> to see this. And, uh, you know, sometimes we want to do businesses, but we are afraid. Or maybe we're doing something and we think it's not big enough. We are not at that level. So I just want to commend you, continue doing what you're doing, encouraging others, and thank you so much for sharing your business and your experiences when you were in Zambia. And, yes, we do have thank to talk you. offline. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we're talking offline about his age. Uh, thank you, Matilda, uh, for that. Uh, Bella, Bella, do you have a question for Mr. Malimba? And and, and, yes, and if do. we can keep it, uh, you know, nice and simple, uh, we have 25 minutes. Okay, sure. Uh, so, Mr. Humphrey, thank you very much for making time for us. Uh, so, my question 
is around something I observed when I was in Zambia in September last year and the year before in May. Are you right that there's a lot of capital flowing in the country? But, you know, when I ask people in Zambia, like, you know, where do you get your money to afford such lifestyle, to buy such real estate? It's like people are very cryptic about their sources of income. Did you experience that as opposed to here in the U.S. where people finally tell you where they get their money? Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Uh, uh, that's, a, that's a great question. Uh, actually, you're very right. Uh, I, you know, you, you get to see some, some, some sort of a sideline against uh, you know, people who are from the diaspora. <clears throat> when, you, when, you get, when you get to Zambia and you're trying to you know, uh, get some networks and, you know, and, and create some business links with people, there's, there's, there's a tendency to uh, sort of like sideline you. So people will need to open up and tell you exactly what's going on, what the, you know, business ventures to, uh, to get into. But it's unfortunately for people like you and me that live in this environment out here, you know, we, we can access money you know, uh, away from Zambia. We can access money out here in the U.S. And you see, one of the things that I'd like to emphasize to uh, anyone that's listening, you see, we, I think we have a misplaced understanding of the true value of this dollar that we make in this country. You would be surprised how much even $10,000 of gold when you go back to Zambia and try to, to implement, you know, that, you know, in terms of business. There's, there's a lot of things you can do, there's a lot of, you know, uh, business ventures you can do with that kind of money. And uh, this is not too much money, this is not money that is beyond reach for most people that live in this country. I know Zambians here who have good credit ratings, they can walk into a bank and walk away with 100000 easy. You know, I, I know Zambians that have credit cards that, that have no max, you know, in terms of what they can buy. So, you, you just have to be like Sister Matilda said, you know, there's a, there's a fear. You, 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 have to, you have to, you know, go past those lines of fear and just really believe in yourself and believe you can do something and venture out because, uh, you know, without risk, there's really very little, you know, you can do in terms of, uh, you know, personal development business-wise. You have to be out there and, you know, and, and, and try to do what you need to do. So yeah, to answer your question, uh, Mr. President, yes, I did experience that. Uh, fortunately for me, uh, it's not a restriction in terms of uh, am I able to come up with some money to actually do business in Zambia because I have an alternative region or place that I can I can access this money from. And also, I have a few friends that lived here before, you know, uh, Michael Mbewe, uh, Bruce Money, and... Uh, you know, to mention about a few guys that, that are doing business, I was, I was totally impressed with what Bruce is doing there. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a miller. He's a miller. He's, 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 really, he's, he's got a, like a milling scene at his farm where, you know, he's making uh, maize bran and things of that nature, chicken feed. And uh, these guys uh, have an ear to the ground about so many things that are happening. And we sit down with them because, they, you know, they also lived here. And so they understand the challenges that you face when you go back there. They're generous enough, you know, in terms of information and just really showing you what you can do out there. So, you know, we did, we, you know, exchange a lot of information concerning that. They told me this is what you can do. And this is how you can go about it. And they also told me exactly what you have said. People here will never tell you the truth about, you know, what, what, what businesses to venture into. But, yeah, you see, unlike us who came here, 
and found nobody. You can come here and find people like me and, and you know, Bruce, and we can we can give you free advice, you know, without hiding any information from me. Okay. <clears throat> awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, Dr. Patrick, do you have a question for uh, Humphrey? Yes. Yes. My, my question uh, to Brother Humphrey has to do with time is money. What do you think or how can we shorten the three-day wait that you mentioned in order to transact business? Is it a, a computer situation? Is it a governmental situation? How can we best address that? Thank you, Dr. Patrick. Uh, that's a very important question, actually. Um, there's actually a very, very important need for, uh, for, for that to change in Zambia. I, I think uh, from what I see, uh, th- there has to be some type of representation uh, on, on, you know, on the stakeholders. Uh, there has to be someone from, say, the Trucking Association of Zambia uh, relaying that message to the relevant authorities and see how they can come in to influence the needed change. Unfortunately, uh, for, for most of those tractors there, they may not have the, the will, uh, or they may actually not even see that, that there's something wrong with that. Because, you know, as they say, we are, we are, mold, we are molded by environment. We are products of our environment. And if you've been living in this environment where, you know, you, you this has been the pattern for the last 20, 30 years, you, you tend to accept that norm. But a person like me who has been in another environment, and I have seen that, you know, this is how this business moves, and, and, and I go back there, and I see that anomaly. I am, I am able to pick out the mistakes that, that are associated with, with, you know, handling this business. And so I think there has to be dialogue um, from, from the stakeholders, either, either the business owners or the truckers. You know, they, they have to communicate this problem to, to the people that are in charge of formulating policy so that uh, something can be done. Because I don't see why, it, it, I mean, you have to understand, when I'm talking about the, 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 the trucking industry in Zambia, not looking at the traffic like we have here. We have so many trucks here, but if you're going to Canada, you will go to Canada and it takes you about 20 minutes to finish everything and cross over to the other side. You know, it's very efficient. And I think, uh, you know, we, we, can, we can learn a thing or two in Zambia uh, to also try to improve, you know, the quickness of uh, of, of the movement of freight. Uh, the, the the attitude have to change uh, for for the customs officers there. <clears throat> I think some of the delay comes from, uh, you know, a hidden agenda of of wanting people to bribe so that they can attend to their cases quicker than those who haven't bribed. So. If, if someone can look into those issues, uh, you know, I think there'll be a great improvement. We'll see a great improvement. Okay. Thank, thank you for that. Uh, Kletas, do you have a question for our guest? Humphrey <coughs> answered all my questions yes. on Facebook. Um, <laughs> hi, Humphrey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you were, so you were interacting uh, before my show. I, I'm not happy. <laughs> no, no, no. no. You surely have one question for me. <laughs> I was a from Zambia. 
he posted that notion on on Facebook, and uh, we exhausted it for two days and a half. So uh, we okay. had a very good uh, conversation. That is awesome. That is awesome. So uh, that right there tells me that right there tells me that uh, Zambia Blog Talk Radio is actually promoting dialogue uh, between uh, people in the back end, and uh, we're excited that uh, we're doing that at uh, ZBTR. Uh, Nathan and then Carol and Roger, if you have questions, please go ahead in that order. And, and let's try okay. to keep it short. We have uh, 16 minutes, unfortunately. All right. Thank you. Hi. 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 Hi, Humphrey. Hello, Mr. Nkama. How are you? I'm doing okay. How far away did you go from Lusaka and Indola? I want you to tell me how much development is going on there. Very quick question. Another second one is, I don't know if you are aware how much decentralization has been done with Ministry of Lands. Do we still, does everybody, does somebody from Winilunga still need to go to Osaka to get a title deed? Does everybody need to go to Ndola? I think Kasama, passports, the PACRA, <clears throat> Excuse me, decentralization of those key points. I don't know how much information you have about that. Those, those are deep questions, Mr. Kama. Hmm? Those are, those are <laughs> detailed questions. Yeah, but <laughs> you know, I, I, I didn't get it. To, you know, I, I was in Zambia for uh, two weeks. And okay. so, and of course, the capital and, and, and the Coppola. I, I never really had a chance to go to uh, all these other places, but you know the 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 perceptions that I made were really from the places that I visited and talking to people and and hearing their views, you know, on 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 these places. But uh, uh, I'll I'll be honest with you, I I didn't look into uh, uh, those those issues, uh, you know, uh, with the questions that you asked. I I, I really can't answer. Okay. Uh, accurately on, on those questions, yeah. We, we appreciate uh, the honesty, and uh, thank you for that. Uh, Carol, do you have a quick question? Good morning, Kelvin. Good morning, Humphrey. Um, great show. Um, I absolutely enjoyed it. Thank good you so morning, much, Humphrey. Um, good morning. Thank you for um, great insights, Humphrey. Um, I just I just had a quick uh, quick comment. Um, I, I'm interested in real estate as well uh, in Zambia, and um, I was just wondering: is there a good place to go to look for insured and bonded um, companies? You know that I could engage with, um, because I know sometimes you run into issues where people, you know, will take you for for, <laughs> for a ride and you know take your money. But is there a good place for me to look for skilled labor? Yeah. Uh, you know, or a good company that I could, um, you know, a construction company that I could, uh, you know, align myself with. Yes, that's a good question, Sister uh, Carol. Uh, to be honest, uh, the, the 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 quickest and uh, best reference I would give you is uh, is my cousin and his partner, Keith uh, Musavandesu and Sylvester Monashiku. They run a law firm uh, called M M&M, and uh, formerly Low Bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. They're based uh, in Rosebank, somewhere in Rosebank. I, I haven't been to the office, but these guys have been in business since, I think, uh, 1996. So they're very uh, experienced. They're very professional guys. They're, they're very honest. Uh, 
And my cousin did mention to me that sometimes they help people acquire land. Uh, they, they help, you know, investors that are coming to Zambia to acquire land. And, you know, they do all the vetting. You know, they, they, they do the background checks. They, they make sure, you know, they secure titles and things of that nature before they can even uh, be, uh, try to engage in, in uh, being the middle people. Uh, as far as selling this land is concerned, so so those are the the the, the, the first only reference I'll give you at this point. I know I'm out there that I'm involved in that business, but I I didn't get a chance to uh to you know to liaise with any of those uh, companies uh, as far as that. But my cousin, yes, yeah, my my cousin and his partner, they are very nice people. I'd recommend you know both guys for someone who wanted to buy land in Zambia to go through their company. Okay. Uh, th- thank you okay. for that, uh, Carol. Uh, <clears throat> we had held uh, a show uh, sometime last year or the, the, the year before. We brought uh, uh, Zambia Diaspora Connect. Uh, this is an organization run by a lawyer called uh, Natasha Chumia in Zambia. Uh, and um, they will help you with uh, the land issue. But the best, the best way to handle this transaction is to research which organization, which people can help you, uh, uh, and especially that, you know, uh, your, your money is protected, okay? Um, awesome. Kelvin, uh, quick follow-up. Yes. Kelvin, quick follow-up. Yes. Um, so we don't have something like the Better Business Bureau where you could actually um, have companies that have already been researched and uh, recommended. Uh, that I am not too sure, but uh, we can try okay. to explore that offline. Sure, absolutely. Thank you for your question, though. You're welcome. Uh, Roger, Roger, and then Dr. Kalonda, please keep it short. Uh, We have 10 minutes. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm sorry. I'm doing like Dr. Kalonda here. Yeah, welcome. And uh, (laughs) it's always good, uh, you know, when someone... uh, goes home, brings uh, some positive uh, stories from there. Uh, first and foremost, I want to concur with you on how far uh, this uh, dollar can, can go. And this uh, is a message, I think, for, for all of us. Um, Gottmeat, I'll give an example of uh, Gottmeat. For some reason, Zambians are eating goat like nothing. And yet, a goat uh, only costs about uh, 250 kwacha. 250 kwacha, that's about $25. Imagine uh, how many $25 dollars you can have easily in a month to buy some goats mm-hmm. and um, start up a small a small holding. Um, by the yes. end of the year, if you are really committed to it, you can easily have a thousand goats. Uh, Saudi Arabia wants the goats. Uh, all these Muslim countries, even the Zambians, are eating uh, the goats. Uh, the other day, somebody uh, posted something on my Facebook about ducks. You can buy ducks, and you can do this. And it is all in uh, in sense. So I, I really want to agree with you, uh, Mr. Marimba, there, uh, how far our dollar can go. And I hope uh, a lot of us can look at it that way and think of investing uh, in the investing back home. I just wanted to congrat with you on that. Awesome. Awesome, Thank Roger. Yes, uh, that that will not warrant uh, a response. Thank you, Roger, yes, for that. Yes, it will. Yes, I'm, I'm expecting we, a response. We, What's wrong with you? I want I, I want to give uh, Dr. Kalonde an opportunity to ask a question. 
You have no question. You, you have this no question. Okay, so quickly, quickly, yeah. Mr. Malimba, do you want to comment? Uh, please comment on, uh, you know, Roger's observation. Yes, uh, thank you, Mr. Charlie. That's uh, that's a that's a remarkable uh, uh, contribution there. Uh, yes, actually, uh, there's, there's there's demand for for gods in the Middle East. I I understand. Uh, according to one of my friends. Uh, they, they, the Zambian government has actually gotten into um, some type of an agreement with the Saudis, uh, mm-hmm. opening up markets for Zambians to, to export their, their goods to Saudi Arabia. So, yes, I, I, I really do agree with that. You see, it goes back to what I was talking about in terms of uh, where to buy land. You see, you don't need to buy land in Osaka to, to rear your goods. You can buy land, land in Japan portion. You see, you can buy land in... Uh, in, in Karolushi and, and Chingola and all these places to wear your boss. And, uh, you know, you, you might not even want to be there uh, physically. You can move out here and, and find an honest person that, that can can, uh, can run the business for you while you're here. And the goal is not to sell them. You can say, okay, I'll, uh, I'll invest this money. I'll invest 2500 and buy so many goods. I don't know if it's 100 uh People with numbers can can look into that. Good at numbers can look into that. You come up with so many goals and and you you try to research into how many uh, uh, cars what can produce, and then you you go with that and determine oh. like, like in five years or in, in in four years how much you know how much you you can come up with in terms of numbers for those goals. You'd be surprised. You start with a hundred in five years, you probably have a thousand. You know, so like there's a lot of potential. There's a lot of potential, and you see, most of us uh, want to plant businesses, and we want overnight, you know, microwave results. And it it doesn't go like that. You have to be patient. You have to wait. You 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 have to understand that you see, you time is a, is a factor in business as well. Your business have to overgo, you know, certain processes for you to start to see, you know, the the benefits thereof. And uh, most people want to start something that don't see results in the next three months or so. They quit and start something else. So this, what okay. Mr. Roger has highlighted here is one of those businesses <coughs> that you can you know, invest yeah. in and, and give it time. You're out here working. You visit Zambia once a year or twice a year just to go and observe what's really going on. And, you know, as long as you can, you can find someone that you can trust. You know, you can find someone that you can trust. You trust me. In five years, you can actually make a plan and say, okay, I'll invest this 2500 or or, or 10000 And in the next five years, that money can become even $250,000. Right. There's that type of potential in Zambia right now. I can tell you that. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, th- th- thank you for that. Uh, thank you for that, Mr. Malimba. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, I would like to remind uh, our listeners, our avid followers, Again, that uh, Zambia Block Talk Radio will be celebrating its 10th year anniversary in uh, Dallas, Texas. Uh, make a date with us, September 13th and 14th, Dr. Simbiakula, the uh, Zambian High uh, Commissioner or Ambassador to the U.S., uh, is our keynote speaker. Sombo Chunda and Dr. Patrick Wilson will be our guest speakers. Uh, you can buy your tickets right now at www.zbtr.org. 
At the top of the hour, we will be uh, hosting an open forum uh, with uh, Roger Macaloni. Uh, this okay. will focus on human capital. Uh, open forum is something you want to call into because it's uh, hot. We let you uh, speak your mind and we accommodate every opinion. This has been Zambia Block Talk Radio. Uh, we hosted Mr. Humphrey Malimba, a self-styled entrepreneur from Atlanta, Georgia, and owner of Holtec LLC. Mr. Malimba, uh, please give us uh, your closing remarks. Well, uh, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Chimba, for, for the opportunity to come um, on the radio and uh, you know, share some of the observations that I, that I made in, while I was in Zambia. And uh, um, my appeal is to uh, all of us in the diaspora. Uh, there's a tendency sometimes to uh, sort of like shut down uh, your mind when it comes to, uh, you know, investing back home. And, and you know, we, we usually close that chapter. I, for one, is an example. I, I, I think if I, had, if I had been regularly visiting Zambia, I think that about a different picture from some time back, but you know, I had I had shut down that aspect, and uh, uh, I'm I'm appealing to everyone in diaspora, especially to to look into how they can go home. It's a life changing um, life changing experience. It, it 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 repositions your mindset in terms of just appreciating what you have out here, and also um, you know identifying the potential investment opportunities that you have uh, in that country. So those are, those are really my remarks. Those are my last sentiments. Uh, just, okay. Uh, you know, this budget, yeah. Okay, great. Uh, so before we go, uh, and then I, I, I want to urge all of you to call in uh, in the next uh, two, three minutes uh, for open forum. But before we go, uh, I want to... I want to give you uh, a quote on opportunity. Failure is simply the opportunity to begin again. Do not give up. Begin again. This has been Zambia Block Talk Radio with Humphrey Malimba Kasase. We appreciate his uh, insight into his uh, trip to Zambia and his uh, uh, entrepreneurship in Atlanta, Georgia. Once again, I want to thank um, uh, the callers, uh, listeners of Block Talk Radio, that we appreciate uh, your contribution and you make us go. Thank you once again. Please call in in the next uh, 60 seconds. Have a wonderful Saturday. Thank you. Ba, ba, ba.